Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We're flipping back a couple chapters from last week. I've had this passage on my heart and mind for a little while now. And uh, if, you, if you are one to read the newsletter, um, you will read about this passage again in your newsletter, because like I said, the Lord's really put it on my heart and mind. And if you don't read the newsletter, but it's just because you aren't signed up for it, you can sign up for it on your little purple connect card, which you should fill out. So if you haven't flipped to Hebrews chapter 10 yet, you can read it up on the screen. Actually, I'm going to pray before I do that. I like prayer. Prayer's good. Let's go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning to be in the assembly of believers in your house. God, I pray that as we read your scripture and as we join together in praise, in thanksgiving, in giving our petitions to you, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you and that our hearts would be drawn near to you. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So starting in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to continue in worship, but we're doing something a little different today. I had someone give me a phone call, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, and said, hey, I really like this hymn. Could we sing it together? I was like, well, sure, what the heck, why not? And so here we are. Mr. Ray Kibbe's going to join us this morning, and we are going to sing together, and I want to invite you all to sing, and if you don't know this one, you can either A, be old school and flip open your hymnal, or B, you can read it up on the screen. We are going to sing, He Touched Me. Thank you for, for our hearts, bringing them here into your sanctuary. Lord, I do pray that you would bind us together in love and unity in the Spirit, that our hearts would be drawn to you, softened, ready to be molded. Amen. All right, kids, you can skedaddle. Ah. You know, it's been a hot minute since I've got to preach to you guys. I think the last time was like 
May. It might have even been April. So I've been, I've been pent up. I hope you guys are ready to stay. I'm sorry if you miss Sunday school. We might be here till lunch. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't spit that much. Uh, but I wanted to talk about being in community with one another. It's something that's so important and so easy to miss in this busy, crazy world that we live in. It's so easy to go off and do your own thing, to have stuff going on, and to miss out on some of the blessings that the Lord has for us. And so I want to talk about the importance of being in community with each other. Not just here this morning, but in other ways and on a more regular basis. See, Steve Triana and I, we're in community right now because we're wearing a matching outfit. I was, I was hoping, I'll be honest, I know somebody else has a shirt almost just like this. His name's Don Lafferty, and I was hoping that if one of us was going to be matching, it was going to be Donnie and I, but I'll settle for Steve. <laughs> but Steve and I also have the mustache going. I shaved off my goatee the other day because uh, I'm thinking... I'm thinking forward to Trunk or Treat. Trunk or Treat is happening soon. And I meant to make a sign-up sheet, but I made a sign-up sheet for two other things and just realized in this precise moment that I forgot to make the sign-up sheet for Trunk or Treating. But Trunk or Treating is coming up. And so please, uh, when I do make a sign-up sheet for it, please sign up. Uh. But yeah, I shaved off the goatee because I've, I've got a Halloween costume idea up in the old noodle, and it requires a mustache. I do. It's blonde. I know. All right. <laughs> anyway, so Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, or some translations say the Holy of Holies, through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So this is talking about back in ye olden days in the Jewish temple, they had this room back here that pretty much nobody was ever allowed into. It was behind a curtain, and this curtain was super thick. Uh, I think it was almost a foot thick. I, I haven't gone and looked at the measurements, but it was a super thick curtain, big, heavy, floor to ceiling. You couldn't go back there. And the reason is because that is where the Spirit of God dwelt. And the high priest was only allowed to go back there on certain special occasions, and he had to be ceremonially clean, and to top it all off, just in case he did something wrong, and the Lord got mad at him. He had to go in there with a rope tied around his ankle and bells. Yes, that's right. I forgot about the bells. Because if he was struck dead by the Lord and somebody else went in there, it would just be a big catastrophe. So they put, they put bells around him, and they tied a rope to his foot. So if you heard him drop dead, you could just pull on the rope and get him out of there. You're laughing, but it's true. <laughs> You're going to see me tied to the back of my car, plopped out on the... 
<laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> we sure do. Oh man. But it tells us, it tells us in this verse that Jesus cleanses us and makes it so that we can enter into the Holy of Holies, into God's very presence. And we can do it with confidence. That's a powerful statement. Going from tie a rope around his ankle in case he drops dead to you can confidently enter into the presence of God. That's a big difference. Now we do that through the blood of Jesus. Sorry. We do that through the blood of Jesus in a new and living way. And it also makes the analogy that this curtain back here is the body of Christ. <coughs> he is where the presence of God and humanity meet up. And he is the one through whom we gain entrance. Now, it connects us to Jesus in a different way. It kind of stops the analogy and picks it up with him not being just the curtain, but now he's the priest. And it says, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Again, back to that confidence. We're able to draw near to him. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, this reminded me of two different things that are both very similar, but both very different. See, in the top picture, we have the anointing of Aaron and Aaron's sons. Now, if you haven't read that story, it's kind of a strange one. They make a sacrifice to the Lord, and they are cleansed in a way that does not seem, sound, look, or feel clean. I don't know if you can see it all that well. But that is not Dawn dish detergent. They are being sprinkled with blood. And they had some put on their earlobes and their thumbs and I think their big toes. The idea is that they were anointed with the blood of this sacrifice. Sprinkled all over them, all over their clothes. Now today, when we think about people being sprinkled, we think about other denominations where they walk around with one of those things and they, and they just splash you a little bit. I'm glad you appreciated that, Amanda. I didn't remember what it was called. A sensor? I thought that was the thing with the with the the incense. Yeah. Is it both? I thought the other thing was a sepulcher, but I don't I don't remember what those are. I just know I've read the word. Oh. Okay. There. I'm just coming up with wrong things. Thank you though. Yeah. It's been a hot minute since I've read that word. A dauber. 
But anyway, you get sprinkled. All over the place this morning. You get sprinkled. And that sprinkling is, for them, in their minds, a cleansing. But they sprinkle with water. That's not what the Jews sprinkled with. When Aaron and his sons got anointed, they, they probably wished it was water. I know I would have. But they were sprinkled in the blood of the sacrifice. And since they are the priestly line, there's a good chance that they're the ones who had to do the sacrifice. They knew what was coming. I suppose it could have been other Levites. But they were sprinkled in this blood, covered head to toe. But that sprinkling cleanses us. In a similar way, through the blood of Christ, our hearts are sprinkled and made clean. See, if we look at the title of this book in the Bible, it's called what? Hebrews. Hebrews is how they would refer to the Jewish people back then. This book was addressed to Jewish people. They would have been familiar with this story. They would have been familiar with the temple, with the Holy of Holies, with all of these things. They would have had a much better understanding of it than I do. They might even know what the sprinkly thing was called. They would have immediately made the connection of being sprinkled in blood and being cleansed by it. And then it says, having our bodies washed with pure water, which reminds me of baptism. Now, I thought about pulling up a picture from our church, but when I saw this one, I really liked it. And I liked it for a lot of reasons. One, there's all kinds of people around celebrating it. Two, this is a super humble baptism. That is a trough you could buy at Tractor Supply Company, and it doesn't fit two people in it. That's something you could do anywhere at any time with a garden hose. I think that's beautiful. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing elaborate. In, in this room right here, behind this little, I'm going to call it a partition, we have a baptistry that if you turn it on like two days in advance, is heated. If you turn it on about 12 hours in advance because it's really storming a lot and the lake's kind of that morning, it's still pretty chilly. But it is heated if you turn it on like two days in advance. But that's not what's needed. That's not what's required. In fact, a story that I really love in the book of Acts, Philip is led by the Spirit to go and talk to this guy. He's sitting in his chariot on his lunch break reading. And God says, hey, go talk to that guy. So Philip walks up to him, and he sees that this guy is reading from the prophets about the Messiah. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I if nobody explains it to me? And so Philip walks him through the gospel and converts this guy on the side of the road who was just reading. And they hop in the chariot, and they're riding along together, and they come across a body of water. I mean, this could be just a big glorified mud puddle. We don't really know what it is, but they just go by, they see some water, and the guy says, hey, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right here and now? That's what baptism's about. 
It's not about having a fancy, big, heated baptistry. It's not about being in Lake Erie. You don't have to go to the River Jordan in the Middle East. You can just have a trough from Tractor Supply Company and some water from your garden hose. And that is a cleansing and beautiful thing. The next verse says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I immediately thought of pictures like this. Little cats, you know, hanging on to something, saying, hang in there. Because sometimes that's what our faith is like. There are days when faith is a beautiful, exciting fun, fantastic, mountaintop moment. How many of you have been to Camp Judson in your life? It's pretty fun there, right? Yeah, it's a good time. You go there, you get to do adventurous stuff, you get to be outside, you get to enjoy creation, you get to do all these cool activities. I know when I worked, I didn't work at Camp Judson, I worked at a different Christian summer camp, but I worked there for years, and that was a beautiful high moment in my life. And sometimes you have rough moments. I know when I started here, the first Friday I had here at the church, Dan was like, hey, it's my day off. Would you mind doing a hospital visit? And the reason I had that hospital visit is because Luca had just been born. I was like, dude, I get paid to hold babies. This is the best job ever. Are you kidding me? (laughs) There are those wonderful moments. But then there's tough moments. There are moments when you're barely hanging in there, where you are clinging to your faith. And it says, let us hold unswervingly. When I think of holding unswervingly onto something, to me that sounds like when you're hydroplaning in your car. You're on the road and all of a sudden you've got no idea where anything's going and you're just trying. Sometimes that's how life is. But we've got to hold unswervingly to our faith. I also recommend don't slam on your brakes. Don't make any sudden movements with the wheel. And don't accelerate suddenly either. Just kind of take your foot off the pedal. In a similar way, sometimes in life, we need to just cling to God, get our foot off the pedal, and hold on. (coughs) We need to hold unswervingly to our faith. Life is going to throw us curveballs. Sometimes they are the most exciting, wonderful opportunities And sometimes they are terrifying or heartbreaking. And when those things happen, you guys remember when we had, oh my gosh, I don't know why I keep coming to Osterbrock, but I know it's not the Osterbrock, the Smiths. When he came and he prayed, his two words were, and when. And when those storms come.
we need to hold unswervingly to our faith. And we're not designed to do that alone. In fact, the next verse says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, I've never been a horse, but I imagine, I imagine that getting spurred isn't the most fun thing for a horse. Now, granted, spurs aren't incredibly sharp. It's not like they're little razor blades, but they are uh, a strong form of encouragement and reminding and not necessarily the most pleasant of sort. I've seen horses that have a little bit of, I don't know if it's quite scarring or more like a callus, but from someone who consistently used spurs on their horse. The horse didn't seem to be like permanently damaged or truly upset. And I don't know why the individual needed or felt the need to use spurs. But they did, and you could tell. Now, sometimes being spurred on to good deeds doesn't necessarily look like that. Sometimes it looks like that. Dan often jokes with me that our job is to be your guys' cheerleaders. Now, I wasn't going to shave my legs and put on a miniskirt for you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But my job is to encourage you all. Dan and I, as, as wonderful and fantastic and intelligent as we are, and handsome, especially Dan. Oh, yeah, and humble. Yeah, absolutely. We can't do everything around here. No way, Jose. Uh-uh, not happening. And that's not our job either. We're supposed to work together. We're all supposed to put on the spurs and or the pom-poms. It is a team endeavor. We are supposed to encourage one another. There's a reason I picked out that song for this morning, and it's not just because it's catchy. The whole song is about if we are the body of Christ... Why aren't things the way they should be? Why aren't his hands reaching out? Why isn't his love healing those around us? Why are people still walking into church and feeling like they don't fit in? How can we step it up? Each of us has a responsibility to don the spurs and pom-poms. Because sometimes, I'll be honest, there are days when Brentley doesn't need pom-poms and Brentley needs a kick in the pants. It's true. And there are days where the last thing I need is to be yelled at. I need encouraged. And I'm sure the same goes for all of you. We're then encouraged by the author of Hebrews to say, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, meeting together is great. It's fantastic. It's one of the points and reasons why we meet up here on Sunday mornings, right? It's because we're supposed to meet together. We're supposed to assemble. (coughs) We're supposed to break bread. But there's way more to it than that. If you just show up once a week on Sunday morning, you come in at 8.20 so that you can get a good seat or the same seat that you always have, and then you leave whenever the sermon's over after you know a few minutes of milling around, maybe talking to a couple of people, but doing your best to beeline it out of here so that you hit your hour and a half quota of weekly church Where's that going to get you? What change is that going to bring in your heart? How is that going to heal you or anybody else around you? Church is not a once a week meeting. Church is the body of Christ, assembled together. And I'll even give you a hint. That doesn't have to happen at 9028 Williams Road, Northeast Pennsylvania. That can happen anywhere. The Bible tells us where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is there. God is there with us. And so I am going to spend the rest of the sermon talking about all the different opportunities we have here and encouraging you guys to do stuff because we're not meant to do this alone. Now, there is probably, if I had to stab a guess, a third of you in this room who are involved in all kinds of different things at Greenfield. And I'm not going to say that the rest of this doesn't apply to you because there's a chance that there's a ministry you're not involved in that could be good for you. There's a chance that there's something you might not necessarily know about because I just put a sign-up sheet out there this morning. Actually, Amanda's the one who put it on the bulletin board. I put it on the narthex table and then I ran away because I almost forgot to print out the sign-up sheets. And I did for trunk or treating, but trunk or treating's happening. But the Bible tells us that as iron sharpens an iron, so one person sharpens another. This is a team endeavor. If I decided that it was time to sharpen my kitchen knife, and I stand there and I look at it and I grab a block of wood, that's not going to help me a whole lot. If I go and I get a kitchen sponge, that's not going to help a bunch. The carpet in my living room, not super helpful. What you need is either another piece of metal or you need a smooth, flat stone, right? So that you can sharpen or hone the edge of the blade. Or if you're talking about crafting a sharp implement, 
You need an anvil. You need something to strike the metal on. And that takes diligence, heat, pressure, effort, training. I can guarantee you, if you handed me all of the equipment of the highest caliber to do blacksmithing, I would have no real clue what I was doing. I know you heat it up. I know you smash it with a hammer. I know you quench it, and then you heat it back up, and then you smash it with a hammer, and you quench it. I know none of the refined skills, and I'm probably missing something because Kenny's raising his hand. Oh, see, there we go. You quench it at the end. See, I'm learning things already. I, yeah, I just broke my sword and I just started. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And Amanda said, and you proved your point. It takes other people around us. And so I'm going to list some of, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I'm going to list some of the things because we are all commanded by Jesus to reach out to one another. His, I'd say dying wish, but it was before he ascended into heaven. But some of the last words he spoke here on earth were this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. We are commanded by Jesus to go out and make disciples and train people and encourage people. If all you're doing is showing up on a Sunday morning and leaving an hour to an hour and a half later, and you're not living it, and you're not training others, and you're not meeting with other people, and you're not growing, and you're not honing. Just like that kitchen knife, you're just going to get more dull. And you want to know what one of the most dangerous things in the kitchen is? A dull knife. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going through and telling you about some of our ministries here. This might feel a little bit like announcements. So what? <clears throat> we have a lot of beautiful ministries. We have a lot of wonderful volunteers. But I also know there's a lot of people who could try out something new and benefit from it. So I'm going to start with Sunday school. If you are not in a Sunday school, I want to encourage you to try one today. In both the welcome bags... And on the office window tape back there is a list of the different Sunday schools, where they meet, and the approximate age range of those people. Now, there have been a couple of classrooms that got moved around, and I don't know if the list has been updated since then. But we have all kinds of different Sunday school classes teaching different things to different age groups with the opportunity for you to meet with other like-minded Christians similar to your age in a similar life situation where you can sit down, read the Bible together, pray together, and be real with each other about the things you're going through in life. If you're not doing that, you are missing out. It's free, and it doesn't even mess with lunch. You're done by 11. If your goal is to get out of here and have lunch afterwards or not miss the football game 
Again, it's done by 11. Because that's when second service starts. So really, they ring the bell at 1045. And if you have kids to pick up, you should be done at 1045. Because then your Sunday school teacher's left there with a small army of children and maybe needs to get to second service. <laughs> but Sunday school, it happens every single week, except for, like, Christmas. On, and so I just kind of went through the order of the week a little bit. But on Monday, there's a women's Bible study. If you're a woman and you're free on Monday mornings at 10, there's a Bible study here. And you could come join them. Wednesday night groups, we have one adult group. At, well, no, we have two adult groups at the moment. There's one that's mostly young men. And then there is one that is adults of all ages, shapes, and sizes. And then we have an army of kiddos in five different classes. It's an awesome opportunity. And it is Wednesday night. I open the doors at 6.30 so you can come play in the gym. Um, but if you're a grown-up, your class starts at 7. Well, all the classes start at 7. But if you're a grown-up, you might maybe want to come to the gym. You might just want to go to the great room. Depends on how you're feeling that day, I guess. Yeah, if you're feeling risky, go to the gym. Yes, there are projectiles, I'll warn you. There's no warning on the door, but if you're in the gym, there's a risk. But it's a lot of fun. We get like 40 kids on a typical Wednesday. I think we're normally around 20-some adults. Does that sound right, Chris? And it's another opportunity to grow and get fed in the middle of the week. On Thursday night, there is a group of men who meet up at 6 p.m. and hold one another accountable for their spiritual growth and the sin that they struggle with in life. There isn't a women's one currently, but there totally could be if somebody wants to start one up. But right now, it's just men. And we've already moved our meeting time once, so we could totally do it on a not Thursday at 6 p.m. if somebody's like, hey, I would love to do that, but I can't make Thursday at 6 we're pretty flexible, guys. I'm starting up a discipleship group. Our first meeting is going to be Monday, October 2nd. There's a sign-up sheet out back in the narthex that I just printed out this morning. And the reason that I started this up is because I was thinking to myself, discipleship is super important. But what does that look like? What does that mean? How do I do that? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a sign-up sheet back there. I'm going to encourage men and women to come, and <clears throat> I'm going to partner people up, and it's going to go kind of like speed dating. If you're not familiar with the concept, you sit down with somebody, you have like two or three minutes to ask little get-to-know-you questions, and then you scoot around to the next person. And what that's going to do is that's going to enable you to meet a few people, write down some of the ways that you connected with those individuals, Put it on a piece of paper and give it to me at the end of the evening. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to be like, these two people get along really well and they have a couple things in common. I'm going to match them up and they are going to talk to each other for the next month on a, however of a regular basis they feel inclined. We're going to meet up again in November and we're going to talk what did you like, what didn't you like. And if you don't know what to talk about, I will have two different little lessons so that you can meet up you know, twice in between the meetings and just talk about your spiritual life, how you're growing, 
what you've learned, what you're struggling with. Oh, what time? I think I have seven written down. That way people can come after dinner. Yeah. I'd have to double check the church calendar, but I believe I have it at seven. That'll be a week from Monday. And if we don't like it or if it doesn't work, we don't have to keep doing it. But I wanted to try it because discipleship and mentoring and being mentored is important. Because some of you are in the stage of life where you have gleaned some wisdom. And you have the opportunity to share that with younger people or people who are younger in their faith. Others of you are in a stage of life where you're looking to grow. You're looking to be challenged. Others of you might be young and not even really know a whole lot about your faith and are trying to figure things out. And this group will at least try and enable the opportunity for some of those connections to be made. And it also affords you the ability to kind of look past some of those superficial things because you only have a couple of minutes And so it doesn't matter if the person that you're sitting across the table with is 25 years younger than you, works a different job, and doesn't like the same things you like to do on a Saturday afternoon. You might be able to connect with them on a spiritual level that supersedes all of that. But you wouldn't have known it because you wouldn't ever talk to them after church on Sunday because you were talking to other people that you felt like you connected with more. There's also this thing, and I don't remember what they officially call it, but uh, I'm going to refer to it as fellowship dinners. They had a little QR code in the back. It might still be back there. Um, it was something started up by um, a few different people in the, in the Bartlett clan. Um, I believe Tim Stedman's the one that made the little QR code for it, but Tim, Rachel, um, Paul, Sue, Vicky, they all kind of got together and they thought, well, what if we pair up people Like, once a season, you know, once in the spring, once in the summer, once in the fall, once in the winter. And they just meet up and they have dinner together. If you would like the opportunity to get to meet and host, or if you're not good at cooking, you can just take them out to a restaurant and meet there. But it's the opportunity, kind of like the discipleship group, to just meet up with people, have fellowship, break bread together. The AB women and the AB girls. I know the AB girls do things about once a month. I don't remember specifically how often the AB women meet up, but I know that they organize and sponsor a lot of different things. AB men and AB boys. The AB men, they host a few different things. Um, They are largely responsible for the car show and the gun shoot. They do the Easter breakfast. Uh, They do the beanbag tournament where everybody tries to beat Bobby Lewis and sometimes succeeds. I think we've got a 50-50 rate on that one, give or take. That sound about right, Donnie? Close, Close, yeah. He's just that good, guys. Oh, 55%. Okay, got it. (laughs) And we've got the AB boys. We meet up about once a month. Ladies eight, they meet up I know it's always on a Tuesday because it's my day off, and I'm like, what are people doing at the church? And then I remember, oh, yeah, it's Ladies' Aid Day. They meet up. 
We have all kinds of different boards and committees, which is the other thing I made a sign-up sheet for. Next Sunday, after second service, around 12.15 or so, we're going to have a meeting where someone from each board and committee stands up for like two or three minutes and just says, hi, my name is Brentley. I'm on the Board of Christian Education. The Board of Christian Education is in charge of these things. Do you guys have any questions about the Board of Education? Because we talk about board meetings and we talk about our business meetings and we talk about some of the stuff. But if you've never been on one, you might have no idea what these boards are or what these boards do or why these boards meet together or why boards are important. And if you're a member, you have the opportunity to be on any of those boards. And if you're not a member, but you connect with the idea of one of those boards, that might be a good reason for you to consider membership because you can help make decisions for the church. Praise team. We just had Ray Kibbe come on up. He, as far as I'm aware, has never been to a Thursday night praise team practice, but he felt the Lord was encouraging him to praise the Lord publicly this morning. And so he came up and he did it. When he called me, he said, I couldn't carry a tune in a bushel basket. Would you sing with me? None of us are classically trained. I know, a big surprise to you, I'm sure. This is not Juilliard, you know. We are here to praise the Lord. And there's so many other ministries. I could probably go on for another half hour just talking about the wonderful things that our church does. But what I really want you to take away from this is that there are opportunities. We <coughs> are called to do something. <clears throat> Sorry. We are called to do something. We are called to step out we are called to make disciples. And again, some of you are probably involved in two-thirds of these things and are here at the church maybe even more than Dan and I, or at least it feels that way sometimes. I am not asking you to put more on your plate or stretch yourself too thin or burn yourself out and make yourself never, ever want to come back to church ever again. But if you're not doing any of these things, I hope that this was useful to you. I hope that this encouraged you. I hope that this let you know I am welcome here and there is stuff for me specifically. And you know what? There's a chance maybe you feel like none of the things that I listed and rambled on about for like 10 or 15 minutes connected with you. Not a single one of them. Well, you know what? I've got two possibilities that seem quite feasible. Either one, I bet you're wrong and you need to try it, or two, you could start your own ministry. I'm not going to stop you. I will put on my pom-poms. I will be there. I will show up. I will encourage you. I will help you do this thing that you have a great idea for. It might not work. One of the first things I did here when I came to Greenfield Baptist Church was I had someone approach me and say, hey, I feel like we're not connecting well with a certain group. Would you be willing to meet up with us and try and start a new thing. And we did. And we did it for probably almost a year. And it never really took off. And the certain group that we were meeting up with, they just kind of started to fizzle out and not show up anymore. And so we stopped doing it. But we gave it the old college try. 
the worst thing that could happen is you have this great idea and you're all excited about it and it doesn't work. That's a learning experience. That's not a failure. So if you feel like you didn't resonate with any of the ministries that I just listed at all whatsoever, which again, especially if it's like Sunday school, you're probably wrong and you just need to keep trying. But if you feel like you didn't resonate with any of them whatsoever, then think about what would resonate with you. What would make you want to come to church if you weren't already coming to church? Now, obviously, there are some things that are off the table, right? I'm just going to throw that out there now. I'm not going to list specifics, but I, I, I heard some stifled laughter up front because you probably have some ideas on what would bring people to church but might not be church-appropriate. But I really want to challenge you because our church is doing great, and we have so many healthy, wonderful outreaches. But if you're not involved in getting poured into on more than a Sunday, or if you're not getting involved in pouring into others on more than a Sunday, I want to challenge you. If we are the body, why aren't his hands reaching? And again, there's at least like a third of you that are involved in a gazillion things, and I'm not here to beat you on the head or make you feel guilty. Because I know there's a lot of people that do wonderful, incredible ministry things here to the point where sometimes they feel like they're burnt out and they need to step back from some church stuff. I am not trying to overload you. <clears throat> but I am trying to challenge other people because I know that there are people who are missing out on what God has for them here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for your mercy, for all the opportunities you have for us here to be involved in your church body, in worshiping you, in praising you, in leading others to grow in their faith. God, I pray, I pray that you would put a ministry on everyone's heart. Maybe it's one you're already involved in. Maybe it's one that you've thought about trying over and over again, but you've always had your excuses or your outs. Maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you're not even a believer yet, and so you just want to know what this is all about. Lord, I pray that you would put something on everyone's heart and mind this morning that would draw them nearer to you and pull them into the community of your church. Your name I pray. Amen.